the National Archives podcast series, Royal Air Force Service Records, presented by William Spencer. Thank you, Dave. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Not quite the earliest engine type that the Royal Flying Corps used, but pretty, pretty much so. So um, that's a, the engine of a Curtis Jenny for anybody who knows about uh, First World War aviation. I put Royal in brackets, so Royal Air Force service records. As one might imagine, you can't really touch on the Royal Air Force from its creation in the, on the 1st of April 1918 without talking about its forebears. So what I'm actually going to talk about are all of the associated records up to a given point relating to the Royal Engineers Balloon Section, the Royal Flying Corps, the Royal Naval Air Service, and of course the RAF. Of course, as new services are created and as new records are created, so different record series are created by the originating departments and, and so on and so forth. And what I'm going to try and do is to cover all of the key material with some brief description. There is a vast amount of material and in the time available I could almost concentrate on one record series alone but I won't. Can I have by show of hands an idea of how many people haven't used the National Archives before today? Right, a, a few. Right, for, for you, all of the records deposited here in the National Archives are identified by a three-part reference. A letter code or department, which usually denotes the government department depositing the material. A class or series number, which is a collection of like-minded material, which is the second element. And the third part is known as the piece number, which is an individual piece within that given series. So when I start talking about Air 29 or Air 27 or ADM 273, those are the sorts of things that you're going to need to hone in on and in many cases refine in order to identify an appropriate record that I'm likely to talk about. Royal Air Force, Royal Flying Corps, Royal Engineers Balloon Section material covers a vast, vast amount of uh, record types. Here we have a photograph of Captain Alan Jeffrey Fox, late Royal Engineers, a very early Royal Flying Corps pilot. He was, I think, in the first 20 to qualify. The photograph is taken from his Royal Aero Club certificate, i.e. His, his pilot's licence. They are in the hands of the RAF Museum at Hendon, but they have been digitised by Ancestry. So if you're interested in a, a pilot up to about 1935, the chances are you're going to find a photograph of him on the Ancestry website because it's a photograph that was born on the licence. Other imagery you may find relating to this early period of the, uh, the early periods of, of flying, this is a Petty Officer Mechanic uh, Royal Naval Air Service, but specifically the collar badges, which you can't quite see, denoting that he was actually in the uh, armoured car section. You may see a family resemblance if you look at his ears and then come and look at mine. It's my great-grandfather's brother, and more about it in, in due course. So, the records. Split into, really, I'm going to talk about the records of service of the Royal Engineers Balloon Section, the Royal Flying Corps, Royal Naval Air Service, and the Royal Air Force. So, operational records of the RE Balloon Section, 
Royal Flying Corps, Royal Naval Air Service, Royal Air Force, the Fleet Air Arm. Now, any of you who recognise a hideous zigzag tie that I'm wearing, it's actually the Fleet Air Arm tie. I spent 13 years in the Fleet Air Arm. And the operational records of the Army Air Corps. I will also talk about probably the largest collection of material relating to certain aspects of the flying services, the medal records of the RE Balloon Section, the Royal Flying Corps, the Royal Naval Air Service, the Royal Air Force, the Fleet Air Arm and the Army Air Corps. So, <coughs> records of service. The records of service of the Royal Engineers Balloon Section, so we're looking about really the period of about 1884 to 1912. The Royal Engineers Balloon Section was a part of a corps of the British Army, so you're most likely to need to look in the records relating to soldiers. So officers' records are in the series W025 and W076, and the records of service of Royal Engineers ordinary soldiers, but obviously members of the Royal Engineers balloon section, are in the series WO97. The great thing about the records of service of the RE balloon section is there is a discrete collection within WO25 for the RE balloon section. Each of the individual volumes is indexed. However, if you're looking for an RE balloon section officer, the easiest thing to find in the first case is his seniority date in the Royal Engineers from the Army list. And then that will lead you on to the appropriate piece of WO25. A small amount of material relating to the Royal Engineers militia are, can be found in WO76. The records of service of soldiers from the RE balloon section in WO97 are split into two chronological batches. Now, the whole series primarily arranged by period of discharge. So we're looking, in this case, at the period 1883 to 1900 and 1900 to 1913. So if you know when the member of the Royal Engineers Balloon Section, other rank, was discharged, you need to apply that date to WM97. One of the advances that we are currently making, but, and will come to fruition in about three years' time, is the digitisation of the records of service in WM97. <coughs> So at the moment, it's paper and mandrolic, so to speak, by looking through a box of papers. Eventually, you'll be able to sit at your computer and click away. On a record of service, you won't necessarily find in black and white RE balloon section. You're going to have to look at the record very closely to, uh, to confirm service in that organisation. And I'll, I'll show you an example in due course. For the, really the period of the Royal Flying Corps, you must then understand that at that time, so prior to the 1st of April 1918, the Royal Flying Corps was the core of the British Army. So you need to concentrate your search on the First World War records of service. So for the officers, WO339 and WO374, and for the ordinary soldiers, WO363 and WO364. I'll deal with 363 and 364 first, simply because those records are being digitised, so of course you can search by name of a given individual serving in the Royal Flying Corps. You can use the regimental term, the core term, so Royal Flying Corps, but I shall hopefully, as long as Ancestry is obedient, I will do a demonstration of uh, the soldiers' documents online, specifically searching for RFC men in due course. 
The records of service of army officers in the series W0339 and W0374, the two series are arranged in two ways. 374 is arranged in alphabetical order, so of course you can do a search by the name of the individual. 339 is arranged by what is called the long number. So you need to identify that long number first, either the number that the army gave the individual, before you actually go to a W0339 piece number. We currently have a cataloguing project underway to put into the 339 catalogue the full name of the individual and then, of course, the corps in which the individual was first commissioned. So you will find, in many cases, that a lot of officers weren't directly commissioned into the Royal Flying Corps. So, for example, Albert Ball, VC, was originally in the 7th Battalion, the Knots and Derby Regiment, the Robin Hoods, uh, and then he went into the RFC. So his file is initially identified as 45, which was the original pre-1881 numerical identity for the Sherwood Foresters, and RFC. But that sort of data, the, the unit data, currently isn't in the catalogue. It will be eventually. But there are some 217,000 officers' files in the two series, uh, and we've only done about 6,000 so far. If you wish to volunteer, talk to me later. Moving on to the records of the Royal Naval Air Service, um, this year sees the centenary of naval aviation in the United Kingdom, uh, and there will be an exhibition at the Fleet Air Museum uh, later in the year, so I'm told. The records of service for the RNAS are much easier to find currently than the officers of the RSC, inasmuch as ADM 273 has been catalogued, and you can search for the individual by name, and that will give you the, the, the volume and the folio references. An ADM196 has been digitised and placed onto documents online, so once again you can search by name. The records of service of RNAS ratings have been digitised for some time and can be found in the series ADM188, and they're, they're on docs online. Now, the Royal Naval Air Service uh, was created in July 1914. And all the RNAS direct entrants, their service numbers, the rating service numbers, were prefixed with an F. So you can always see an RN service number prefixed with an S, F, F for Foxtrot. You know that you're on to an RNAS guy. I will talk about the, promotion, the, the movement on from the 1st of April 1918 in due course. There were, however, with regard to RNAS ratings, a number of individuals who were already in the Royal Navy prior to the creation of the service in July 14, who just kept their other RN number, whether it was just purely a numerical, somebody with prefix with a J for Seaman, K for Stokers. They just transferred over. And the only way of identifying them as RNAS ratings is either by the rank terminology or the places in many cases that they served. So, for example, Daedalus, Cranwell. Cranwell is not, has not always been an RAF institution. It was actually built by the Admiralty and was a Royal Naval Air sta Station first before it became the RAF Officers College. So you just need to be aware of those sorts of things when using ADM-188. Moving on, the records of service for the Royal Air Force. Now... Officers can be found in Air 76, only currently available on microfilm, and arranged in alphabetical order. We do not have the original material. 
and there is a little quirk relating to Air 76. When it was filmed by the MOD, brackets RAF, they filmed one page, so that way up, and then when they turned it over, they didn't have, have it the same way up. It's actually the wrong way up. So you're going to sit there on a microfilm reader, turning it round, and I think you might get seasick. Hopefully, because we're digitising it at the moment, every other page they should rotate through 180 degrees, so you won't have the stiff neck problem that microfilm users currently have. So S76 is quite easy. There are some interesting quirks relating to S76. You think, well, we're all Air Force records, yeah. So you, it's, in theory it'll be any officer serving 1st of April 1918 onwards, true, but you do find a record of service, for example, for Albert Ball, who was, got the Victoria Cross and died in May 1917. So the Air Ministry still went through the ropes of creating a record of service for somebody who'd been dead for the best part of the year before the service was created. Don't ask me why. And you do get individuals who, in many cases, you won't find in any of the earlier records simply because they joined the Royal Air Force after its creation on the 1st of April 1918. It's very, a very, very complicated matter looking at the records of service for the RAF because you need to know whether the person was genuinely Royal Air Force and Royal Air Force only, had been in the RNAS, had been in the Royal Flying Corps, or who had been in another regiment, not necessarily the Royal Engineers Balloon Section, before the progress through. And I'll come on to my little quirk in a moment. The records of service of Royal Air Force Airmen are in the series Air 79. Now, Air 79 contains the records of the first 329,000 RAF Airmen, less those who saw service after about 1935. So if you go into Air 79 with a number that is less than 329,000 and the record of service isn't there, it's probably because the individual served after the mid-30s. Now, at the moment, the, if you don't have the service number for Air 79, you can consult the microfilm index in the series Air 78. But the big problem is we only have a microfilm copy that's all we were ever given. The index, believe it or not, covers April 18, but retrospective to the creation of the Royal Flying Corps, up to 1975. So you might plough into the microfilm and say, ha, ah, I've got that person. That's who I'm looking for, because it's the same surname and the same Christian names. First thing you need to check is, is that number less than 329,000? If it's less than 329,000, we may have the record. If it's more than six digits, we most certainly won't. That'll still be in the hands of the MOD. And the early cards for the, probably the first 280-so thousand men, in many cases, they don't give the forename. They give the surname and the initial and a number. Now, some of the material in that index is of very poor quality. So if you can't read it on a microfilm reader take it off the reader and go and stick it on a reader printer and magnify it. Make it as big as you can. Now, what we're doing to alleviate the problem is to index the whole of Air 79 from number two, we haven't got number one, interestingly, all the way through to 329,000, less those numbers that are missing. So you eventually you will be able to search by the number 
and or the surname and the forenames or initials of the given individual. Now, I said I'd talk about the quirks. If you're looking for a member of the Royal Naval Air Service, a rating, whose record of service in ADM 188 goes up to the 31st of March 1918, you are then going to need to go into Air 79. Now, if you have an F service number, what they did was they created, for the Royal XRNAS ratings, a discrete batch of service numbers, which I called the 200,000 series. So F1, RNAS F rating F1, that was his service number, becomes REF 200,001. So all you need to do, if you have an F number, is to take off the F and put it into the right amount of digits for a 200,000 series number. There are a number of other REF numbers in the first 329,000 which are purely XRNAS. So if you get an REF number that is between 313000 and 315000, they are XRN, XRNAS first. So they're sailors serving before July 1914 who then go into the RNAS who then transfer into the REF. It's confusing, isn't it? Lots of permutations. Um, so you, you, you just be aware that that's the way to follow things through. Hopefully, maybe before I retire, is that I, we will be able to link in all of the ADM 188s with the RNAS men with their F service numbers with the Air 79 catalogue and all their 200,000 series papers so you get the whole shebang relating to a given individual. Whether or not it'll happen, I don't know. After all, we've got 329,000 men to catalogue first. Right. When you're dealing with an RFC or RAF officer, the first thing I would recommend that you always go and do first is to look for them in either the army list, in the case of the RFC, but primarily post-April 18, the RAF list. Uh, the army list first, then the RAF list, just a correction. You will get... The date of commission of a given individual, um, you'll get post-nominal letters uh, and you'll get a, some idea of a rank and a specialisation. Always use the Air Force list first because in many cases it's going to give you that key item of data with which you're then going to be able to approach the records. We also have what are called the confidential Air Force lists in the series Air 10 which in many case, cases mention individuals who got specific appointments in given organisations. If you go to the Air Force list, it'll just say squadron leader, general duties, and a date of seniority. But if you go to the confidential Air Force list, especially for the Second World War period, if you've got an officer who's serving in staff duties, i.e. non-flying, or in a specific unusual post, you might find them in the confidential Air Force list. So that's one example, that's the Second World War. Does anybody know what 100 Group was responsible for? 100 Group, listed at the top, although it says Bomber Commander, they were the uh, radio countermeasures group in the Second World War, spent a lot of time trying to jam German radar, etc., as well as listening in. Um, that's a post-Second World War confidential Air Force list. Again, because we're talking about Second World War and beyond, where... The records of service are still in the hands of the Ministry of Defence. The confidential Air Force list may be something that you can use um, to gather information 
especially where you're not the next of kin and therefore um, eligible to obtain the record of service. Moving on, remember the chat with the ears. Um, this is my uh, grandfather's brother again as a probationary flight sub-lieutenant Royal Naval Air Service. Now, I said, talk to you about the, the problems relating to passage through the different branches or the forebears of the RAF. He joined as a Royal Naval Air Service rating, so he has a, a, an ADM-188. He was commissioned as an officer in the Royal Naval Air Service and has an ADM-273. He was flying a BE-2C over the Humber in 1915 and the propeller fell off. And as one might imagine, it ended up in the river and he lost his nerve. So he relinquished his commission in the RNAS and got a commission in the Royal Naval Volunteer Reserve. So he has an ADM-337. He was working specifically armaments duties attached to the RNAS. And that, of course, was turned into the RAF. So he also has an Air 76. But those are just sort, sorts of problems that you may have. This is a, a record of service of a, an officer of the Royal Engineers who served with the balloon section. Um, very difficult to read, but that, believe it or not, says balloon section. Uh, Siege of Ladysmith, commanding balloon section. That's just one page. The officers, RE officers at this time, get two pages, and you get a lot of information uh, on those individuals. Moving on. This is a record of service of a typical, what looks like a typical soldier. So, Royal Engineers, date of attestation, and eventually you get the date of discharge. There's actually nothing on there to mention the balloon section. Now, operational records. And was, as one might imagine, there are lots of operational records right through all three uh, or, or four elements. So, the the majority of operational records for the RE balloon section are in WO32, WO33, and for the Boer War, 1899 1902, in, in WO108. In most cases, they do not mention balloons in the description. You have to understand that you're looking into the activities of the Royal Engineers first and foremost. A lot of the records relating to the RE balloon section, uh, I have identified, and I will tell you where the information is at the end. The records of service of the Royal Flying Corps can be found in Air 1 and WO95. Now, a lot of the material in Air 1 has been digitised. A lot of the material in Air 1 has very complicated references, multiple part piece numbers, Air 1 stroke, and then, in many cases, up to four elements. The important thing when looking for records in Air 1 is to know the RFC, the RNAS, or the REF squadron number. It is just a fact of life that, in most cases, we've got lots of operational records relating to them up there, or squadrons in general, the flying part of, of the, the services, but not, in many cases, a lot of what went on on the ground. And one of my beefs has always been, if you go to look at RAF history, you get the aeroplanes, then the pilots, mostly off the off flying the officers first and then the NCO pilots. But you don't get a massive amount on the people who maintain them, the people who designed them, or the people who kept them in the air. Now, I fall into the latter group. I was an aircraft engineer for 13 years. It is frustrating, but without the engineers, 
No, they're going to fall out of the sky eventually. The records, operational records of the Royal Naval Air Service can initially be found in ADM 137, the historical section papers for the First World War. You can keyword search the catalogue by the unit, but there are a few quirks that you need to be aware of when dealing with uh, ADM 137, um, which I can talk about should people desire it. And again, the material is linked back into Air One because of the creation of the, the Royal Air Force in April 1918. All of the RNAS squadrons, so Eight Squadron, for example, known as Naval Eight, all of the RNAS squadrons were put into the 200 squadron numbers of the RAF when it was created. So Naval Eight became 208 Squadron RAF. Moving on, the records of service. Uh, the operational records of the Royal Air Force. These are just a few examples. For the First World War, Air One, and a small amount of material in Air Two. The interwar year period, you find a lot of material in Air Five, but instead of looking for a specific unit, you need to start thinking about where in the world. So, Iraq, or Mesopotamia, Persia, India, Afghanistan, and so on and so forth. So you, you need to think it those sorts of ways. The biggest collection of operational records for the Royal Air Force are in the series Air 27, the Squadron Operational Record Books. Arranged in numerical order by squadron, the majority of it is currently available on microfilm. So if you, have a, you know that an individual was serving in an RAF squadron at a given date, that's the series to use. The great thing about the series, and I'll show you an example of, of, of an Air 27, you can actually build up, in many cases, a list of operations if the individual was air crew, knowing, seeing all the flights that they served with, uh, served on, and you can also look at, in many cases, when they joined that squadron and when they left. And when they joined, it should hopefully tell you where they came from, so you can go to that operational record, and the same when they leave, you can, you can look on. So it's a very useful way of building up the career of an RAF, RAF aircrew in the Second World War. The operational records of the fleet air arm, uh, between the wars, naval aviation was primarily the responsibility of the Royal Air Force. But what was known as the Inskip Award in 1937, off the top of my head, transferred the control of the naval aviation assets back to the Admiralty. So you need to consider, if you're looking at Royal Naval Air Service or Fleet Air Arm Squadron operational records in the Second World War, you need to consider looking in ADM 199 and the Fleet Air Arm operational record books in ADM 207. The records of service of the Army Air Corps, uh, just two examples. The Army Air Corps, of course, was a core of the British Army. So you'll need to look, for example, if you're interested in the Army Air Corps and the Glider Pilot Regiment and its activities on D-Day, you need to consider consulting WO-171. But you also get certain Army Air Corps operational record books in Air 29. But again, it, it's all driven by units, so you need the individual unit identity. So... What you have before you now is a typical example of an Air 29, a Squadron Operational Record Book, which lists all of the flights taking off at a given time. So you get 
the date. The aircraft, the squadron call sign, the aircraft serial number, the crew. Activity, the, the run of when they took off, so there's a lot of aircraft going off, when they took off and when they all landed on, and a description of their activities. Of course, if an aircraft was lost, it will be annotated in the details of sortie or flight. Other operational records, uh, this is an example of a sort of material that you can find in an Air 5. So this is, a, it says, a record of aeroplane and pilots concerned in the evacuation from Kabul in December 1928 to, to February 1929 and the loads evacuated. Dates, aircraft types, pilots and other data, passengers or, or, or the load, baggage. So you can see all the different names. So here, for example, December the 26th, I think that is, DH9A, Sergeant Howells, WT, wireless telegraphy. So they had a, a radio operator in the back who was involved in those operations. Now, that's an example of just a photograph that you might find in a lot of the Second World War RAF fleet air on uh, operational records. That's uh, 804 Squadron all parked around a Grumman Hellcat. Now, the metal records. In many cases, the sort of material that um, a lot of you may wish to look at. Now, there are problems relating to some of this material, and I'll talk about that when I get to the specific series. The, art, the metal records for the Royal Engineers balloon section uh, can be found in WA100, which is available on microfilm. Their first operational activities for which they are awarded a campaign medal and readily identified as RE balloon section are operations in Egypt, 1884-1885. You've got the Royal Flying Corps medal material under the auspices of the Army in W0329 and W0372, i.e. the medal index cards and the medal rolls for the First World War. Uh, the Royal Naval Air Service material in ADM116, ADM171 and some recommendations for gallantry awards in Air 1. And the RAF recommendations for gallantry awards for the First World War in Air 1 and for the Second World War in Air 2. The most common gallantry award granted during the Second World War was the Distinguished Flying Cross, which illustrates the changing role of warfare and how it was the RAF which took the war to other people. The recommendations for nearly all, and we know with certainty that some material is missing, but nearly all of the gallantry awards granted to members of the Royal Air Force for the Second World War can be found in Air 2. The problem is the series is arranged and identified by the original Air Ministry file references. If you haven't got that Air Ministry file reference, you're going to have a long, long search looking for the recommendation for something from the Victoria Cross right down to a mentioned in dispatches, a Distinguished Flying Cross, an Air Force Medal, a British Empire Medal. If you're next of kin, you can get in contact with the Ministry of Defence Medal Office and ask them to give you the reference from the card index they hold. But there is a private researcher who has in, been through the whole lot here and indexed it all. And he will, for a fee, either give you the reference or do the work for you. So if you're hundreds of miles away, it may be more profitable for you to contact the individual and I'll tell you where the contact data is in due course. The recommendations for gallantry awards for the Fleet Air Arm for the Second World War can be found in ADM-1 and for the Army Air Corps 
primarily in W0373. As one might imagine, there are always quirks relating to Second World War gallantry awards. So, for example, if an RAF officer bailed out and escaped all the way back from wherever in the world back to friendly lines, the chances are he's going to get an award for services on the ground, what you would call a ground gallantry award. Now, although the warrants for gallantry awards in the Second World War evolved so that a ground gallantry award could be granted to a member of the RAF, for example, for escaping, the authority for granting that award was still vested in the service whose award it really was. So a grand gallantry award, you'd expect a military cross, would still be under the auspices of the War Office. So if you're looking for an MM or an MC awarded to a, an escaper, there may be a file in there too, but you're more likely to find it in the War Office material. You remember the list of flights for the evacuation of Kabul and the wireless telegraphist, Mr Howells? That's his medal group. And... You have the Indian General Service Medal, 1908-35, with the Northwest Frontier 30-31 clasp, with a mention in Dispatches Oakleaf. Second World War Defence Medal, Second World War Medal, with an MID, Oakleaf again. 1953 Coronation, and an RAF Long Service Medal, awarded during the reign of George V. The recommendation for Howells Award, I'll show you in due course. Here is an example of a medal roll for the Egypt medal to members of the RE Balloon Detachment. Without that there, a balloon detachment in red, you'd never know. Unless you knew that an individual was there, you would never know. And where is he gone? Charles Robertson there. We saw his papers earlier. So you need to put the two pieces together to prove that he was in the balloon section because there's nothing on his record of service. That's the recommendation for Clarence Howells. Although he was recommended for a, a medal of the Order of the British Empire, a, a BEM, he only got an MID. And I said to you about ground gallantry awards and, say, for example, escapers. How many of you have ever seen or heard of the wooden horse escape? Well, there were a number of RAF officers. Phil Pott, Eric Williams, I think, wrote the book. Got military crosses for their part in the wooden horse because they built the wooden horse, dug the hole, tunnelled out and escaped and got back to the UK. And there is a, a drawing in the recommendation for their MC, basically showing you how they did it. It's a, quite an interesting discovery. The members of the Royal Air Force, who, airmen, who were awarded the RAF Long Service Conduct Medal, their awards were all announced in Air Ministry Orders, and Air Ministry Orders can be found in the series Air 2. So even when a record of service might not be in our hands yet, simply because the service number's too high, so for example, 340342, LAC CH Williams, he gets his long service in 1925, but there are little things that you can do with a little bit of knowledge. The medal was awarded for 18 years long service and good conduct. So you can take 18 off 25, get an idea of when the man entered the services. You have to think that he joined before the RAF was created. 
So it's actually a, a useful way of building up a, a, a profile relating to an RAF airman's career where the record of service is still to uh, come into our hands. Now, there are little problems that I want to talk about regarding RAF airman's numbers simply because you may well fall into that category. During the First World War, as many of you may are probably aware, a lot of men moved from regiment to regiment, from corps to corps, simply because they didn't like being an infantryman or their skills were more appropriate to be used elsewhere. A lot of members of the territorial force transferred out of the, the London Regiment, the Cambridge Regiment or whatever, into the Royal Flying Corps. Now, they were given discrete RFC and then RAF numbers which are all in the 400,000 series for, for service numbers. Unfortunately, because the RAF have been transferring their records by number, we haven't got the 400,000 series records of service, which is very frustrating because a lot of these guys, the majority of them, have got no post-First World War service. Yet, just because the RAF are doing it by numbers you're stuck until such time as that material becomes available. Now, those 400,000 series service numbers are amongst the 142.5 million pieces of paper still in the hands of the Ministry of Defence relating to post-First World War and up to 1949 service. They will come in some form eventually, but it will cause you uh, a certain amount of frustration. When a man was in the Royal Flying Corps in the First World War, if he saw service overseas before the end of 1915, his 1914- or 1914-15 star would have been issued by the War Office. So you will find them in the First World War medal records. The British War and Victory Medal, to which the individual was also entitled, in many cases will not be on the card because they were issued by the Air Ministry. So it's a, a, an accounting procedure. So you might get one bit in the Ar Army medals and nothing the f uh, after that. The First World War campaign medal records for the RAF are still in the hands of the MOD, even after all these years, and I'm trying to reel them in. If you get a man who goes overseas in the Royal Flying Corps post-1915, the chances are you won't get a medal index card. You may or may not. It's just the, 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 the probabilities are that you won't. So the only way you can verify a First World War campaign medal entitlement to a member of the RAF or the RFC where there is no card is the record of service. In the case of an officer, on his record of service, it will have stamped services considered for grant of war medals. And in the case of the RAF airmen, it will hopefully have the dispatch details on the back page telling tell you when those medals were issued. It'll say 14-15 Star British War Medal, Victory Medal, and it should give you on the record of service the date that they saw service overseas. There are lots of quirks, as I've said, relating to RFC, RNAS, RAF material. The operational material, of course, we do move on post-Second World War, but in many cases, without the unit details relating to a given individual you can't really approach them. So if you are the next of kin of an RAF airman 
corps officer from the Second World War get the record of service from the MOD first? And I will leave it at that and throw the floor open to questions. This event was recorded live on the 27th of January 2009 at the National Archives, Q. This podcast is copyright to the National Archives. All rights reserved. <laughs>